Vegas Nation is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app today and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. Sports, entertainment, little to no culture. It's time for Unsportsmanlike Conduct with Ed Graney and Adam Hill. Welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct with the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports and presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal and Blue Wire. We're your hosts, Ed Graney and Adam Hill, and we're here to give you our thoughts on the Las Vegas Raiders while perhaps entering in a world of news and topics we find interesting. Here we go. Uh, draft is over, my friend. Congratulations. You set a you set a uh, mark of 25 and a half. I went slightly under on the amount of guys you would get that were drafted in the first round. You hit 25. So you were right. It was under. I mean, well, unfortunately, I went under. Slightly. Um, and also, I think when we set the number, I I kind of forgot in my mind. Not that I didn't know, but it was like one of those things. There was only uh, 31 picks and not 32. So um, it was right around the same you know, that we thought it would be um, a couple right. surprise players here and there. And um, not, not too different. I think the, I was looking, I think the, the leader of the, I think there was like 1500 submitted for grading, I think 26 or 20, maybe somebody had 27, but I think 26 was the most. So uh, we were right around that, around that mark. It was nice. uh, fairly unpredictable, uh, but I think a lot of the players that we expected to go, uh, the first round went just in a you know a little bit different order and a different teams, but um, it looked like we had it. And I think the you know one of the main takeaways is you know a lot of a lot of people in the NFL world, the scouting world, said there was probably only sixteen or so surefire first round picks. Um, and I think you know we we pretty much knew who those players were, and um, I think we were right in in that regard. Uh, maybe. You know, a lot of people, you know, thought Will Levis was a guarantee number one the first round. He didn't go. Um, I know in my first two mocks, I had Will Levis falling, and and even one of them, I think he, I'm falling out of the first round. But there was just so much hype and so much talk that he was going to go uh, in the in the first round, and that somebody was definitely going to take him. And so um, I think that's where you know a lot of that group think that we talked about comes into play. Like you just expect that it's going to happen. Um, and then Will Levis didn't go. And look early in the, I think the other takeaway from this, and this is for not just mock draft people, but for fans following in general, you know, early in the process, there was a lot of people that were right about a lot of things. And then they changed. And and I think a lot of that is, you know, misinformation leaking out and lying, leaking out and trying to get people off the trail. Uh, because, you know, for the whole first three months of this process, I was convinced the Colts were taking Anthony Richardson. And I think a lot of other people were too. He just fits what Shane Steichen wants, the former UNLV quarterback who now uh, is the head coach with Indianapolis. And he fits so well. And he he's like a, you know, a more athletic Jalen Hurts. And you're like, this is the guy. And then everybody kind of falls into this. Oh, it's going to be Will Levis for some reason. And um, it was Anthony Richardson all along. So I think that was some lessons to take away. Is like, there's a lot of guys that early in the process you identify and then for whatever reason get talked out of it. And a lot of times those first reactions are right. All right. Well, I know people listening are going to want to know your thoughts on the Raiders draft. Um, we'll go through the players here. I know you did this. I don't know if you like doing this. I hate these things, although I thought you did a great job in terms of grading, because I just think it's the cliche, but I, I kind of follow along with, you know, tell me in two years, like what happened with the 19 draft. You just never know what's going to happen to these guys. I think they do their diligence as, as general managers and coaches. I think they watch film, they do their interviews. 
but it's a crapshoot for a lot of a lot of these guys. And you know, you just don't know how they're gonna translate till they get on the field. But um overall, it looks like they stayed to their board. There were no, oh my God, Cleveland Furrow picks or you know, Alex Leatherwood picks. Um, maybe, uh, we'll talk about it shortly. There was a guy or two drafted that you raised your eyes at a little in terms of position, but just an overall feel before we get into some of these individuals, I thought they did a good job in just kind of drafting to need. And now we'll see if these guys can play. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, you would, you look through and, and you see a couple of positions that they needed that they filled and a couple maybe they needed that they didn't fill and didn't quite get there. And they, they didn't reach like, you know, let's just say, they need players on the offensive line. Everybody kind of knew that they need some depth. They need some youth there and they need to keep building that. And um, you would expect that they would have gone that direction, but they, they didn't, you know, it never came up where they were drafting it on the board and had the offensive tackle or the offensive guard that they wanted. So they just didn't do it. So I think that's, you know, pretty impressive on their part to stay away from reaching and just continue to, to stick to your process and stick to your board, even though you know that you want to have an offensive lineman at some point. Um, I think you need to be applauded for that. And I think it shows that they had a plan. They stuck to it and uh, they were disciplined. And I think that's very different than we've seen uh, from some of the last several drafts out of the Raiders. So I think that's where you start and say, good job there. Um, good job identifying traits. You know, they go and they're like, all right, we need a, a run defense guy. All right, let's get one of the run, best run defenders on the defensive line. Even if there's some questions about how he could be as a pass rusher. Okay, we want an infusion of some speed. All right, let's go get a super fast wide receiver, even if there's some questions there. Um, they really wanted a defensive back that could attack the ball, that could really, you know, make plays on the ball, like go up and, and challenge it at the point of attack. Um, and then they went and found that guy. Uh, they may be the guy that's best at that, even if he has some coverage questions. So I think they identified traits and went after them, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, for sure. Um, the bad, yeah, they, they did reach in a couple of spots. I think they took some guys that um, maybe they shouldn't have taken in those, in those areas because they did identify traits that they wanted to go after them. And that's a big thing. And then, you know, let's just go back to the top of the draft and we can start going and, you know, some individual guys and uh, just in general, just say the Tyree Wilson pick is, is interesting for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, going into the draft, I think you asked me, and I, I, I was asked this on several uh, interviews I did leading up to the draft, like who's the biggest potential bust in the top 10? And my thought was, there's no question it's Tyree Wilson. Like that's an easy answer. Who's the biggest potential bust? It's Tyree Wilson. And that's not saying that after the Raiders took him, that was before, uh, you know, going into this draft, what a lot of people expected it to be maybe the number two, maybe the number three pick. I think there's a lot of reasons for concern and we can get into them, but here's the caveat for the Raiders. I don't know what they were supposed to do at seven, the way the draft fell. And, you know, we did this exercise on our, on our podcast leading into the draft. If you remember and said, okay, Devin Witherspoon is the guy that I wanted all along. He's a cornerback out of Illinois. Let's say he's gone. Let's say that Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud are both gone. Obviously, Bryce Young is gone. Um, what do you do then? Will Anderson's gone. Now, what do you do? And that's literally how the draft fell, right? I mean, Devin Witherspoon goes off the board. Will Anderson goes off the board. Three quarterbacks are off the board. Uh, and then you had Paris Johnson, who I didn't love, but apparently the Raiders did. He's off the board. Now, what do you do? And when we did this exercise, I said, okay, I would definitely try to trade down, which I do think the Raiders at least listen to offers. And then the alternative 
even though I had Jalen Carter as a no draft for the Raiders that they couldn't do it. I thought if it came down to Jalen Carter and Tyree Wilson, they probably should have just gone ahead and taken Jalen Carter, even though I didn't think it was the right thing to do for them. I just, I, I think you're in that spot of, Oh man, like this is a really bad decision. This is probably something we shouldn't do for the franchise, but that is a player that you're swinging for the fences. If he's not, if, if something goes wrong, at least you tried to swing for the fences. And I, I don't know that Terry Wilson's ceiling is as high as Jalen Carter's. And so I might've even thought about going in that direction, but when you're, when you're looking at who's on the board, even though I do think there's a massive potential for bust with Tyree Wilson, you know, if you're not going to take Jalen Carter and it sounds like, the organization made that decision that he was not draftable and that Mark Davis was not going to allow them to draft him. Then I, I guess Tyree Wilson is the fallback plan, even if it's not exciting. And even if there's some huge risks. Okay. Well, let me stop you there because he was their first pick at number seven overall. And we did talk about him before the draft in terms of some potential drawbacks talked uh, for a second specifically about why he could be the biggest bust. What about him? What about his film? What about his reputation uh, tells you that maybe two, three years down the road, there's at least a chance. We're not going to say it's going to happen because we don't know. He might be great. Heck, he might be starting across from Max Crosby and they might be the you know two best edge rushers in the league or, as a duo. But what are some of these red flags in terms of his players film that made you think that he could be a bust out of the top 10 people? Sure. Let's, let's start by saying, I, you know, as a as a person. Uh, as a human off the field, I think there's a lot to really like. I think he's a good kid. I think there's, um, there, there's you know a hunger, there's a desire to be good, and um, there's a lot of good things to like off the field. Um, on the field, some of the question marks. First, he's he's a little bit of what you know some scouts and some analytics people would call when you're wondering that he he didn't look great except for one season, and and those guys tend to not do well. Uh, at the next level, it, it tends to be maybe you just figured something out. Maybe experience got you there. Um, you were, you know, just for whatever reason in the right situation for one season and you just thrive that one year. And that doesn't usually translate well to the next level. Um, but that's that's not the biggest concern that I have. Um, one of them is that despite his unbelievable length and, and obviously that's one of the, what the writers love about him, that's why he projects better than what his production was that he's going to be able to grow into that length that he's going to, you know, he has that huge size, uh, but also the, the incredible length to, to get around the edge and to use that body and to leverage and, and all those things. But he only had like one, I believe it was just one pass deflection um, last season uh, where you're like, okay, how are you, how are you rushing the quarterback and not at least getting your head up, getting your hands up, affecting the passing game in that way, it's concerning. Um, but again, not e not even my biggest issue with him necessarily. Um, I do have massive concerns about the foot, and clearly the Raiders didn't. Uh, but he's got you know a, a foot injury that kept him from working out. It kept him uh, from playing the full season too. But he wasn't able to do any of the workouts. And Raiders clearly had their medical people check him out and, and, you know, gave him the green light, thought he was going to be fine. 
Uh, it sounds like not every team in the league was in agreement with that. Uh, in fact, if you go back and watch some of the uh, some of the draft coverage, they talked quite a bit about it. I know uh, Chris Collinsworth from PFF when he was talking about it uh, during the live uh, Pro Football Focus draft show said he believes several teams had crossed Tyree Wilson off the board completely, uh, believing that he would never be healthy in the NFL. Uh, and so we'll see how that pans out. But I think you know one any one of those issues you could probably dismiss, and you could probably and. and the Raiders did dismiss all of them and say, we're going to ignore all of those potential red flags and say, Hey, he's going to pan out. He's going to reach his potential. He's going to be everything that he could potentially be, which is a great player. Um, but I think if you take them as a whole, you're, you start to say, okay, well, there is a lot of concerns here. There is a lot of potential that it's not going to work out. Um, but again, when you when you when you get to the seventh pick and the guys that you really liked necessarily were off the board and you didn't have those options, well then it, it becomes a little bit easier to make that pick. And from what we hear, the Raiders went into the day with four players that they said, "Okay, we want one of these four at number seven. We just don't want them all to be off the board." And as it worked out, three of the four were gone. And so Tyree Wilson was the only one left and it became an easy decision. But I do believe Devin Witherspoon would have been taken if if he was still there. Uh, I believe that Paris Johnson, the offensive tackle, would have been taken if he was still there. And I believe Will Anderson would have been taken if he was still there uh, over Tyree Wilson. But they were all gone. And so Tyree Wilson was the fallback. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the SCN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. All right, moving on, uh, let's get to this tight end. Uh, Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame, they uh, traded up three spots to get him. Uh, I don't know if they're trying to get their next Gronkowski or not, but Mayer 6'5", 250. Um, supposedly good blocking. I saw Michael Mayer live against UNLV. He looked like Gronk times 10. I think that had a lot to do with UNLV. Um, but we know what happened with um, uh, Darren Waller. We know they signed two veterans to come in, but now Michael Mayer seems to be the tight end of the future. Uh, I know in your grades, you gave this an A, so you liked it a lot of them trading up to get this guy to go along with Jacobs, uh, Devontae Adams, Renfro, um, the new kid, Trey Tucker, we'll mention here in a bit. But what did you think about trading up to get Michael Mayer? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good move. It sounded like they tried to get into the end of the first round to get him, too, and they weren't able to. So uh, they only have to move up, move up a couple spots, not give up a whole lot to get him. Um, like you mentioned that they signed some veterans, O.J. Howard, Austin Hooper. I think Austin Hooper is the starter for this year still, but he's only on a one-year deal. And so they do need – um, you know, a player that they can kind of rely on in the future. And uh, this is going to be the guy, I believe. And I think there's a lot to like about him. Um, first of all, as you mentioned, good blocker, like really solid blocker for a guy that's uh, such a good pass catcher. He's very, very good uh, in terms of not only, you know, potentially being you know kept in to pass protect and max protect situations, but also uh, really getting out and moving and, and getting guys in space. Uh, he's very good in that area. So, uh, not really a concern as a blocker. And then while he's not incredibly athletic, he's not, you know, he's not going to blow people away uh, with his speed. He somehow always finds a way to get open. And and if you watch, you know, you mentioned the UNLV game that was up there in South Bend. 
Uh, he also already played in Allegiant Stadium, so he's got some familiarity there. Uh, went for 11 catches, 118 yards, and two touchdowns, if I believe, uh, if I recall correctly, uh, against BYU in that Allegiant Stadium game. So he destroyed uh, BYU on that field and made some really athletic plays there. So he's got some sneaky athleticism, not necessarily top-end speed. Um, really, you know, can make any catch. He, he, we saw him lay out and dive a couple couple times. Was here uh, at Allegiant, but um, really, what's what's impressive to me is that he finds ways to get open despite not having that top end speed, and he's almost always open. And when he's not, he's really, really good at contested catches too. So there's there's a lot of things he can do well. Um, I do believe Dalton Kincaid was the better uh, overall tight end prospect, especially as a, as a pass catcher, uh, you know, former uh, Las Vegas kid from Faith Lutheran High School that um, that did go in the first round, but. I think Michael Mayer is not far behind, and I think the the value there is really good to get him in the second round. Okay, then they went third round, Byron Young, D-tackle. You can't ever have enough of those. You know, he's probably a rotation guy at this point, but he comes in to play D-tackle. I was interested. I still, uh, I still really want to know, by the way, if they took the wrong Byron Young. Explain that. So there's two Byron Youngs, both in the SEC, one Tennessee, one Alabama. Um, I thought... I thought the other Byron Young was a much, much better prospect overall. Um, now he's more of an edge player, so they had already addressed that. So I guess that um, they probably wouldn't go that in that direction again. Uh, but I thought I thought the other Byron Young was a better prospect, and he ended up going like four picks later, maybe uh, to the Rams, if I remember. Uh, so he got picked right after this Byron Young. And uh, look, I, I think I'm, I'm kidding. I think they knew which Byron Young they were taking. But uh, this Byron Young, pretty limited as a as a pass rusher uh, from the interior. But we did see him increase his ability in that area. Uh, he d- he did figure that out a little bit, but really, really good against the run. And and you know, as you said, that's been a lacking. That's been an area that they need. So I think that's why they went in this direction with him. Uh, really stout. Just can you know can can lock down some uh, some blockers. So can uh, uh, can hold up some guys in the middle from getting them to the second level, and then also make plays. So uh, not just a you know not just a take up space guy, but also a guy that can you know shed a block, make a play, make a tackle, really get some run stops. So I, I like what he does there. He's just fairly limited. Otherwise, he's a pretty one dimensional guy at this point. Uh, so I, I like it. I think he'll be able to contribute. But um, I do. I I also wanted the other Byron Young because I I worked so much on his story going into the draft. Was hoping that he could go to the Raiders uh, was a kid that had basically quit football and was managing a, a dollar store uh, and then nice. decided to, uh, to pick nice. it up again and uh, a little older, but really uh, developed and into a, a pretty good player. I think he went to the Rams. I want to ask you quickly about the couple more. I was surprised in round three, they went wide receiver with Trey Tucker. Um, I guess I was surprised because I thought they'd continue defensively, maybe look for a corner. I know they got one in four with Ja'Cory and Bennett. Um, I also, you know, Hunter Renfro's a, a slot guy. Devontae Adams can go all over the field. They've other guys who can line up in the slot. Were you surprised at Trey Tucker in the third round? Yeah, I, I thought he was more of a fifth round guy. Um, because he's fairly, again, another one-dimensional guy, but that's, you know, what I talked about at the beginning, it's kind of identifying traits, and for him, it's speed. He's really, really fast. Um, Plays very physically, even though he's small, which is kind of weird to see. I don't know how that's going to hold up uh, at the NFL level of taking a bunch of hits, but uh, very, very, very good on special teams, which I know uh, the Raiders like. And uh, it brings a speed element that they, they kind of have in the receiving core, but I don't think you can ever have too much speed. It's just it signals to me that maybe there is another move on the way in terms of getting somebody out of that room. Um, 
So, you know, is Hunter Redford available? I don't know, but um, it's a pretty crowded room now. And you were just, you know, used a pretty valuable pick on a position that you really didn't need at all. Like I said, Ja'Cory Bennett, the cornerback from Maryland in the round four uh, pick from the Texans. Loves going after the ball. Like he will, he will attack the ball. He will try to, he'll try to make an interception on like every play. Uh, maybe a little bit too aggressive could, you know, could lead to some penalties, but if they get that cleaned up, it's pretty good. He, he's not great in coverage. Um, you know, you see him get lost a little bit, uh, pretty often, but I think he makes up for it and the ability to read the ball, find the ball and go make a play on it, which again is absolutely something that they wanted, that they coveted, that they really wanted to find. And I, I can almost guarantee that watching him, they just loved the way that he was able to, uh, to go find the ball and go try to get it. So, um, that's what they're looking for from him. I think there's guys that are much better in coverage. Uh, but he'll make up for it and uh, not not quitting on the play and just go ahead and find it. Interesting pick here in the fourth round, Aiden O'Connell, quarterback from Purdue. We've heard the story. Walk on, ninth on the depth chart. Got hurt at one point, came back, played well. Just reading everything about him, seems like a nice kid. But you didn't walk away saying, oh, man, this is automatically their, their quarterback of the future. I know they wanted a quarterback. But prize it's Aiden O'Connell, or is this you know is it a lifelong backup? Like, and, and that's unfair also because, like I said from the very beginning, we're gonna have to see how each one of these guys translate. So maybe he'll come in and be great. We have no idea. Um, but uh, I saw the name. Uh, I didn't know much about him, uh, so maybe that surprised me a little. What do you mean? Haven't you heard all the Tom Brady comparisons? Well, his quick release after they drafted him, I heard the Tom Brady quick release comparisons. And if he could be Tom Brady, I think it's a good pick in the fourth round. Uh, well, well, maybe not because Tom Brady was six. So okay. you know, really Tom, Brady went this, Tom Brady went in the sixth round. So there's more value. But this this pick did come from uh, 135 from the Patriots. So there is some uh, there is some symmetry there. But if Aiden O'Connell is is Tom Brady, then it was a reach because they should have waited to the sixth round to take him. Um, but he probably yeah. would have been available then. I think he would have been. I think he would have been available to sign on the you know after the seventh round. Look, I you know I watch a lot of Big Ten football, obviously as a as a Michigan fan. Um, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, look, you don't want to you don't want to trash the kid because I, I do think he's a really good kid and I, I like him. Um, it, there's a lot of development that'll have to happen there if he is the quarterback of the future. I think something drastically changed in him to make him that. But what you really do like about him, again, good kid. He is a uh, his tape is really weird because you'll see you'll see plays where the Tom Brady comparison isn't that crazy. And in fact, you'll see some plays on his tape where you're like, is he the best quarterback that's ever lived? And then you'll see some plays that say, has he ever played quarterback before? So like the inconsistency is very, very, very direct, very dramatic uh, on his film. Um, but I think what you do like, and I think what the Raiders liked, and, you know, Dave Ziegler talked about this a couple weeks ago, going into the draft of, he really likes guys that have overcome something that have found adversity and overcome it. And, and I think, you know, that's the case with him. He was a ninth stringer, basically when he, when he came to Purdue, he was a walk-on, never had any chance to play and worked his way up to a starter. And, you know, he, he doesn't quit, doesn't give up. He'll, he'll work as hard as he humanly, as humanly possible. And he's got the right situation to learn, right? I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has worked with younger guys before. Brian Hoyer was bought in to essentially be a coach on the field. Like, he's got a great learning environment. So if it's going to work out for him, I think this is probably the place where it's going to work out. I just don't think it's going to work out. All right. They ended the draft with uh, three picks in the fifth, sixth, and seventh. Christopher Smith, a safety out of Georgia. Amari Bernie, a linebacker out of Florida. And Nessa J. Silvera, defensive tackle at Arizona State. They went back inside. 
Um, any of these stand out to you as guys that could contribute right away or these depth guys to start? Yeah, I think Silvera is going to be a depth guy that, you know, can contribute. I think there is some, some ceiling to him that he could achieve. You know, I, th- I think he, uh, there's some plays where he really pops and, you know, gets through the line and makes some plays, but he's not overly athletic necessarily. So there's no real traits there, but, um, there is some, some good film on him. Uh, Christopher Smith, I think is really interesting. He was very, very productive, uh, in college, just a really good player. Uh, I think he's, he's a very cerebral and he'll probably figure out a way uh, to be a, a contributor pretty soon. In fact, maybe even this year. So uh, I think that's a pretty solid pick. And uh, Amari Bernie is, is fascinating because he's a former cornerback. He also played some safety, but he's a corner that gained some weight and adjusted and, and moved to linebacker. And so right away you think, wow, the Raiders have really needed a linebacker that can cover, right? So, um, it's been something they've looked for for a long time. You need to cover backs and, you know, backs and tight ends, and they haven't really been able to do it. So a linebacker that's a converted corner, that that makes a ton of sense to go cover people. The problem is you watch one film and he's terrible in coverage. And I, I don't understand why. Now, his quote after the draft is he said, you know, I'm I'm a great cover, you know, cover linebacker. You can just lock me down on somebody. You don't need to double team anyone. Um, I, that's my job. That's my responsibility. And I think that, should be. I mean, that's, it makes sense that that would be his role, but he hasn't really shown it on film. Instead, you just see him loving to just get downhill and go after ball carriers, which again, good trade for a linebacker. It just seems weird that he would be much better at that uh, than he is at coverage, but that's what shows up on tape right now. So um, that's an interesting one. If he can develop into the kind of coverage guy that he should be, then that could end up being a really, really intriguing pick as well. Um, so there's these picks that you know have the potential to work out. I understand why some people are down on some of them, but um, you understand also why uh, some of these picks were made and what they see as potential out of some of these players. Remind everyone the overall grade you gave the Raiders. Uh, it was a B. I think that's about right. Um, like I said, I think there's some some good picks. And I think Mayor was an A. I think Tyree Wilson could potentially be an A. Um, it probably would have been a C if he was picked second or third, but you know, waiting till seven, you know, I, I think that they're a little bit more comfortable there uh, with a guy like Tyree Wilson. And um, I just think there's the, the grade is more for them sticking to the plan and identifying what they wanted, what they needed and what they would go after and staying with it. than it is the actual individual players who I think you can raise questions about all of them and you can see, positives in all of them. So I, I just went more with, you know, their ability to stick to a plan and, and, you know, and execute it on, on draft day. I assume uh, before, before we let you out of here, you already started on next year's draft. My guess is the number one picks an easy one, maybe the number top two picks in quarterbacks. And then, uh, and then you move forward. Mock draft 1.0 for 2024 will be out Sunday in the paper. All um, right. and, and yes, yes and no about the, the top pick. Because Caleb Williams is clearly the best prospect. There's no question about it. Um, but it's very possible that the Arizona Cardinals can control the entire draft next year. Um, they have their own pick and Houston's pick. Those are the two longest shots to make to win the Super Bowl this year. So it's possible that Arizona could have the one and two next year in the draft. Um, and would they take a quarterback? I mean, I think that's very... That's a very interesting thought. Having, you know, re-signed Kyler Murray and having him locked up for a few years. Uh, would you go ahead and take a quarterback and try to trade Kyler? Would you try to ask for the moon uh, for somebody to trade for Caleb Williams? I think, you know, those are the two options there. 
Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be an unbelievable right. wide receiver, one of the best prospects to come around. And, um, you know, Drake May is pretty good, too, at quarterback. So uh, there's some really, really good players on next year already lined up. And we know a lot will change between now and then. But Arizona potentially controlling the first two picks is the uh, the storyline to watch. All right. You did a great job, as usual, this year with all your draft and your and your uh, your mock drafts. And you're already started on next year. So we'll watch the Raiders as the uh, rookie camps get underway and the OTAs uh, being uh, held and all the mandatory mini camps. So we'll see some of these guys and uh, probably make better determinations as we see them on the field. Good job, buddy. Thanks. Good good talking to you. Awesome job. That's going to do it for our latest edition of Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal and Blue Wire. Remember, there are new episodes of Vegas Nation three times a week. Subscribe to Vegas Nation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcasting app. Find all that coverage and more at VegasNation.com. For our producer, Larry Meir, and my co-host, Adam Hill, I'm Ed Graney. We'll talk to you next week. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the STN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there.